Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Welcome to the Other Decluttering. I am Kesty Frigia. And I am Amy Ravel, and we are very excited today. It is not just two mics that we are recording, but we have some pod sisters with us. Kest, who have we got? We've got Jen and Jill from the Frugal Friends podcast here with us. We've had heaps of requests to chat about money from our listeners. And so this is an awesome opportunity to speak to two amazing women who have a great podcast and learn from them about what frugality means and what um, their hearts are for people um, in regards to money. So... With that in mind, welcome, Jen and Jill. Would you like to introduce yourselves? Oh, thank you so much for having us. I love that you refer to us as pod sisters. This oh, is, you totally uh, are. Feels like a pod sisterhood for sure. Uh, but my name is Jen um, and I am one half of the Frugal Friends and I am a, a personal finance writer and expert And uh, my husband and I paid off $78,000 of debt in two years. And that's how I got introduced to the concept of frugality as intentional spending versus uh, deprivation. And I am Jill. I'm the other half of the Frugal Friends podcast. Together we make a whole. And (laughs) my... My background's actually in social work. I am a licensed clinical social worker, and I still maintain my day job in the field and work on the podcast as a bit of a side hustle. And really my introduction to frugality, my relationship with frugality has been relatively lifelong out of necessity, not ever really making a ton of money. As you can imagine on a social worker's salary, I had to become quite creative if I wanted to avoid debt, which I did. So through various problem solving and implementing creativity and non-traditional housing methods, Uh, My husband and I were able to pay off $56,000 of debt and just continue on the frugal journey because it's not just about debt payoff or living a frugal lifestyle because you're on a low income. It can certainly help, but realizing that this is a lifestyle and a way of living that is intentional that I wanted to maintain even when I'm debt free. I love that you both use the word intentional and that is like one of your core passions um, and it comes out so much in every one of your episodes. Um, And I love, love, love that that is also aligned with our business and so closely aligned. Like we are all about intentionality and want people to be intentional in all areas of their life. We just happen to focus on the decluttering and organizing, but as our listeners know, that reaches far beyond that what you would traditionally think of as decluttering and organizing. And so, yeah, I'm excited, so excited to have you guys on and to learn from you and to have our listeners learn from you as well. Tell us a little bit about what frugality means. It's a word that I have um, over the years developed a good relationship with, but I would definitely say in my late teens and early 20s, it was a naughty word. It was it yeah. was a word that I did not like and I associated lots of negative things with, but now it's like a really positive word. So tell us a bit about that. Yeah. I mean, so frugal traditionally you've associated it with like in America, like the great depression, like you're, you know, eating spam and cleaning out, you know, paper bag, one paper bag to use for years. And it's your grandma's and great grandma's like great depression tips. And and it's just become associated with deprivation in that way. Uh, And because we've had such, um, you know, a prosperous century 
people have really looked down on frugality, not wanting to, to live that way and really wanting this instant gratification lifestyle that's being sold in media and advertising. And so we want to rebrand frugality to essentially just being a good steward of your resources and uh, traditionally thought of as money. So the money is a resource, but we have a, a number of other resources that we use to get the things that we want and need. So time is our only finite resource or only truly finite resource. So being a good steward of your time, uh, your physical space. So making sure that you only have physical items in your space that you want and love and use and uh, clearing out all the stuff that you don't. And then even down to your mental space and your schedule and your natural resources. Uh, so that's how we view frugality. I think that that's brilliant because what frugality then becomes about what it enables you to do, doesn't it? Rather than what you're being deprived of is you're, you're embracing frugality for something, not because of, and look, definitely there are people that need to embrace frugality because of, but I think ultimately we want to embrace it for. So, you know, speak to that and what types of things do you guys have frugality in your lives for? One thing can lead to the other. I think Jen and I are a really good example of different introductions to this world of frugality. And there's even more options out there than even what Jen and I represent. For me, growing up, I had enough, but didn't necessarily have the experience of extra. I was very accustomed to hand-me-down clothing and rarely going out to eat and only buying something if we had a coupon for it. And then not much shifted, even into my early adulthood of going to college. I mean, I think most college kids have the very little money in the bank account experience. And, and then I got married right out of college. And so being a social worker and my husband had his own business, we really had to implement some methods that were going to help us live the life that we wanted to live, again, without acquiring more debt. I did graduate with student loan debt, but I knew enough that I didn't want to acquire more debt. And I wanted that debt the student loan debt gone as quickly as possible. However, I will say in that journey of debt freedom, what I also recognized is the tools and the habits that I was building with my debt-free journey and in living a frugal lifestyle were tools and skill sets that I didn't want to let go. And I was building a foundation for what could propel me exponentially towards growth, financial and otherwise, if I was able to maintain some of the skill sets that I honed in. Of course, when I was in a debt payoff journey, it was it, it was intensive. It, it was at times deprivation, at times cr finding creative ways to have fun. And I don't think that there's longevity in that. I think once you reach the goal, okay, it's okay to take a breath and reassess and reevaluate. But the, the creativity, the problem solving, the sustainable living that I found along the way, the learning from others as I share my journey. None of these things are specific to someone on a lower income. We can all benefit from being good stewards of all of our resources, as Jen has described. And we can experience the benefit of that, of community, of problem solving, of honing in our skill sets, of increasing our income, of decreasing our spending, especially where it doesn't align with our values. None of this is dependent on us not making a lot of money. I think anybody at any stage of life at any income level can benefit from a frugal lifestyle. Yeah. And I would say just like living intentionally has helped me increase my income as well. Because when you're intentional in one area of your life, like, you know, it, when you're intentional in one area, it overflows into other areas. And so uh, letting go of this kind of scarcity mindset of, I make this much, I'll never make more. I have to learn to live on this low fixed income, like overcoming that to realize 
Like this is a, a frugality is a tool and it's not only tool. It may not even be the best tool depending on what your situation is. Um, but it is a tool that nobody should take for granted. And that when it's embraced can make everything else you do exponentially more successful. Thank you. That's awesome. One of the things that I um, quite like about frugality is when it becomes intentional rather than necessary, you can pick seasons and you can also pick things that align with your values. So we might say Mm -hmm. as a family, we're not going to do takeout for, you know, three months because when we're on holidays, that's all we're going to do. And so you can have the frugality with the intention of this is why. So rather than because we have to, I think there's real power in saying we're choosing this for this. Um, So you've actually got that vision in mind as well. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. When you can say no to one thing so that you can say yes to something bigger. And it's, it's a lot of times we make the mistake of seeing that bigger thing as something that's very, very much down the road, Mm. but even like for your family, it's maybe it's just three months down the road. So it takes this, it's maybe not instant. We're, we're laying down instant gratification, but it becomes easier to do that when the gratification isn't some imaginary thing off in the distance. It's something you can actually see and it's close enough to almost taste. No pun intended. (laughs) (laughs) I'm really curious about the mindset moving from a scarcity mindset or poverty mindset to another, a different mindset um, where you're not you know, your choices aren't based in scarcity. Um, so yeah, can you talk to that? Cause I think that, um, one of the things that I'm really careful about in our family is not, um, instilling a poverty mindset in our children, that there is abundance. Um, that doesn't mean that the abundance needs to be spent all the time, (laughs) but how do we go from having, you know, for whatever reasons, whether it's because we've Um, been brought up with a scarcity mindset or our circumstances have created that in us? How do we go to having an abundance mindset and still be frugal? Yeah. I think one of the best ways is maybe if, if abundance mindset is maybe a word that scares you, because I know sometimes when you're in scarcity, like the abundance part can be woo woo. Um, I like to think of it as growth mindset. So looking always for self-growth. And it's kind of that putting your own oxygen mask on before you put somebody else's. Like when we're looking to grow, we can help others in their growth uh, better, more efficiently. Um, So being open to learning and um, choosing to see failures as opportunity for growth. And once we change our mindset um, to see these opportunities for growth, more often that trend, that just trickles down into our finances. So we see more opportunities to get creative. Maybe when there's a financial emergency that comes up, we don't automatically revert to putting it on a credit card or getting a personal loan. You can have space to think creatively about how to solve it. And then you have space to think creatively about how to increase your income. So these financial emergencies are more like inconveniences. So it takes a lot of time and, again, intentionality to cultivate your growth mindset. Um, but when you're focused on doing that, then you can just the, – the scarcity just kind of like there's no more room for it, essentially. And I would add from a mental health perspective, when we want to talk about mindset shifts, it's of course going to have to begin with us paying attention to what's happening in our thought lives, in our behaviors, in the the actions that are happening for us, the thoughts, feelings, actions that are going on. And so a lot of times before we can jump to a change of mindset, we have to be aware of what is our current mindset. And some of the ways that we can do that is just by tracking, paying attention, being curious. For many people, writing things down, keeping a bullet point journal can really help. And we've often encouraged people specifically as it relates to finances and spending to keep a journal with transactions. So I know we can talk a lot about tracking our spending and budgeting, but this brings another layer to it where we can look at 
our transactions, our spending, our money behaviors, and associate what were some thoughts or feelings that I had when I made that choice, when that behavior or that action happened? Because the behavior, the action is the final step. First comes the thought, then comes the feeling, then comes the action. And so we can almost backtrack it in the other way to understand what's happening in my thought life, in my mindset that is leading to these behaviors. And and what do I want to shift? And I'm going to have to shift that in my mindset, but I'm going to have to be armed with the reality of where I'm at currently. I've got to know where I'm starting, what I'm aiming for, why I'm aiming for that so that then I can implement a strategy for what am I going to replace those thoughts with that is going to be more congruent and in alignment with the mindset that I hope to have because it's going to lead me to just more beneficial things for myself, more beneficial decisions and actions and interactions with others. Awesome. Thank you both. I what I love about you both is that you bring values into your conversations around money. And I think that that aligns really well with us as well, that we want people to be aligning. We don't want people to go and declutter their house because we told them to. We want them to be making decisions that are intentional for them because it aligns with their values and um, what it is that's driving their behavior. So talk to us about core values around money. Mm, We love this topic uh, because when people think about getting on a budget or, or moving towards frugality as a lifestyle, the first thing that hangs them up is, is something they don't want to give up. So for me, it was like, I literally said, I don't want to live the best years of my life under a rock, like trying to pay off debt. I wanted to, uh, community is one of my highest core values. And so I love spending time with people and I didn't want to give that up in order to pay off debt. And now that I have done it, I realized like there are, so now I know community is one of my core values. And it's the, it's the first thing that you think of that you don't want to give up. That's the last thing to give up, if at all. So what I, in my mind, I was like, I don't want to give up the happy hours and the nights out with friends. But it was really the friends I didn't want to give up. I could easily give, give up eating out, like I'm not a foodie. Um, I could, you know, give up happy hours every now and then. Uh, so like those, those were things I could give up if I had like community around me in my home, in somebody else's home, at a free event, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And so we look at managing our money and we immediately go to deprivation when really we want people to start exploring their core values and figuring out who they are and what they want from life and your partner as well. What does your partner want? Um, What are their core values? So that you can confidently say, I will spend money on this without guilt and confidently say no to the things that fall outside of your values. One of the things that I see in clients' homes and in our community as well is that comparisonitis. I can never say that word properly, Um, (laughs) but comparing ourselves with others. And I think that not knowing your identity and your values really doesn't help in that because then you're like, oh, but I want what she's having, but you don't understand her values or their values or their identity or what they're willing to sacrifice. (laughs) Yeah. You only see the good bits of what you want. You don't actually see what Mm -hmm. it took to get there. Yeah. And so like I, and I think that that can, you know, play out in so many different ways that can be when you're scrolling Instagram and buying everything that you see. It's when your friends go on holidays and you're like, well, I need to go on that holiday too. And so you'll sacrifice things so that you can have what they're having without understanding that your values are different. Like I know you guys are talking, um, as we're recording, you guys are talking about um, designing your dream life. And so I was listening to that episode and you guys were talking about that 
Jen, for you, your dream life isn't traveling around the world because community is so important to you. And I was thinking about, oh, that's so interesting that we can, you know, look at influencers and go, oh, I want what she's having. And then actually it doesn't actually align with what is important to you. And I think that we say that we can do that all the time mindlessly like and without intention like we can say and we talk about this in our courses and in our podcast that we can say that our family is important to us and yet we're always making them late to school and so how is that showing that they're important to us if we're not organized enough to get out of the house and so they don't feel loved and therefore it's not actually aligning with our core values or maybe like, and there's so much more in that, like, I'm not making a judgment over that. If that's your situation, that you're always late to school, maybe there's other neurodiverse things going on for you that is challenging for you in that situation. But just that misalignment between what we say and what we do and actually does that is that showing that we haven't aligned ourselves with our core values or that our values are different to what we think they are? Am I making sense? (laughs) Uh, I so appreciate this conversation because I think there's so much freedom in this frugal lifestyle, in the financial decisions that we make. It doesn't have to look one way, but I think we can be sold something. And that's really what social media and television and the flyers that show up in our mailbox are doing. They're trying to sell us something. Even our friends on social media are often trying to sell us something. And this opportunity that we're describing to say, we can press pause, be curious with ourselves, pay attention to what do we actually want? I think advertisers want us to mindlessly engage. And I think similarly to where you all are at with your podcast and your business of paying attention what do I, what do I want to keep? What's life giving to me? What do I want to engage in? It's, it's the same concept. We're whole people We're when we can apply that concept across the board of in mindful spending, spending that aligns with our values and our lifestyle. And it's not going to look the same for everyone. And that's amazing. And there's so much freedom in that. But again, that's a behavior that when we finally get to the place of spending or collecting, that's we're just at the behavior stage. So even in, when we're talking values-based, core values, understanding ourselves, that takes it deeper. We've got to have some time to press pause, to ask ourselves some of these questions of what's most important to me. Of course, family is always important to pretty much everybody. It's the, it's the things that go beyond that of, is it travel? Is it beauty? Is it experiences? And there's so many other, there's so many lists of what could be at the center of your values. I know for Jen, it's not travel for me. It is. And so I'm going to spend on things that she won't spend on and that's okay. And that's good. And that's right. Because we're making space within our own lifestyles for what makes sense for us and is going to be life-giving. And as I grow in confidence and understanding of myself and my values, and then where my actions and spending and behavior begins to align with that, what happens is I am more immune to those messages of do this, try that. You need this, you need that, because I've now embraced this mindfulness where it's not a long, I mean, it doesn't take a ton of time, but when I have formed the habit of that pause, well, wait a second, do I actually, if I actually just stop and said, is this going to be life-giving for me? Does this align with my values? It makes it very easy. It's a muscle. I'm not going to say it was easy (laughs) immediately, but I am definitely more immune to some of the messaging that's trying to sell me things. And it is easier for me to say no to things that don't align with my values because it makes room to say yes to the things that do. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. 
Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. And I think we see that so much with um, people purchasing just when they're out and about without intentionally wanting to buy something, you're just wandering around the shops or you're scrolling on your phone and then you undermine the decluttering work that you're doing because you're just continuing that inflow without being intentional about it. And I think there's that great alignment with that also has a detrimental effect to your intentionality around your finances is because when you're unintentionally spending and that consumerism is just driving you without that pause, like you said, Jill, like that, that muscle that you develop is you actually undermine yourself. It's not undermining anyone else. There's no inherent value in the new saucepan that you buy. The saucepan isn't good or bad. But the value to which it brings you is whether it aligns with your values. Does it mean that you can now cook rice because you had no saucepan? Or is it now taking up space and now you've got 15 saucepans and it takes you more time when you're cooking, it takes you more time when you're cleaning up, putting things away. You now don't have the money that you exchange for the saucepan. And so you've actually robbed yourself instead of giving yourself a gift just in that one thing. Like that consumerism can play to your values or really undermine your values. And you have 15 saucepans in the sink that are dirty and you're overwhelmed and then you order takeout. That's, uh, that's <laughs> preach. <laughs> preach. That's my life. Yeah. Yeah. So how do you people go about figuring out what their core values are? So we, I mean, we encourage people to look at a list of core values, start with that. Um, we've narrowed down a really good list of 50 that we have in our membership and it takes out. So there are four things that I think every human inherently wants, um, which is um, faith, friendships, family, and fulfilling work. And so to us, those aren't necessarily core values because if you have a family, you value them. That's, that's, you know, normal, unless you're a sociopath, um, you value your family. Um, but finding your core values will influence how you show up best for your family. Um, and it can help you find your strengths and not feel guilty in your weaknesses, um, or look to grow in them. So just looking at a list of values, maybe taking a test, but I think, um, journaling about what you want for your future, um, meaningful moments that you've had in your past, those can sometimes um, show up values, or moments in your life where you felt um, just significantly maybe devastated or offended, that can sometimes be a, a moment where a core value was betrayed. Um, so look at these important moments in your life um, that are kind of significant and unique to you and think about what you want in the future. And those can sometimes start to reveal core values for you. And it's a process. Like you don't just sit down and in 20 minutes, you've got your core values and you move on. <laughs> it is a process. One of the things I would recommend to listeners is when as a family, we worked out our core values, we actually wrote them up and kept them for the, for the start, just on the fridge. And so over time we were like, actually, I don't think that one fits or someone would write a new one up and you're like, oh, okay, yeah, that's, that fits better um, because they are a development often and you start to question them and go, oh, the actions that I just did don't align with that value. Is it because the value is not right or is it because the actions weren't right? Mm. And so there is that real, um, yeah, that developing and that understanding and questioning around those values because when you nail them, I would recommend people like 
get a tattoo. <laughs> no, um, put it on your fridge, put mm-hmm. it on your phone, have it somewhere where you are constantly reminded. Um, and I actually can't remember if it was you guys that said this or another podcast I was listening to this week. But in fact, I think it may have been, I was listening to the audiobook of Atomic Habits. Mm. But mm. at dinner time, when you're sitting down, is pick one of your values once a week, each night, whatever works for you. And just like, how have you displayed that that value this week? Um, you know, often one of the questions we'll ask the kids at dinner time is like, who did you show kindness to today? And so you're just reinforcing those values in a moment where you're not actually having to make a hard decision. Because when you're having to make the hard decision, it's it's much harder to draw on that value if that's the first time you're talking about it that week, that month, that quarter. Mm. Wow. Yeah. And, and one of, it sounds like for you, Amy, you're not only identifying core values as individuals, but also as a family, which is a really awesome practice. What we've found is where we can also bring it to the individual level. It helps us come together around some of these more difficult conversations for partners being able to understand or or at least know of the core values of the other can help to explain some of the decisions that might be made or the approaches to money. And so where we might not always understand the behavior, we can bring it back to a value. And, and usually that allows for greater understanding, more productive conversation, valuing of of one another's values <laughs> to be redundant. Usually when partners are butting heads against money issues, if we can move it off of whatever money topic and bring it deeper to, well, what is this saying about this person's core value and how mm. might we be able to acknowledge and care for the need that that represents and negotiate this together rather than just pointing fingers of a, why are you doing that? Or why aren't you doing this? Or why can't we get on the same page when we can come together around a conversation about core values and the way that that impacts money can really, really help some of the the more tenuous conversations. So, so, so many, I mean, we are whole people, we've said that already. And so as we begin to uncover some of these different pieces and be curious with ourselves and be mindful and create pauses and intentionality and deeper conversations, more comes of that. Just growth happens in sometimes areas we didn't even expect previously. Uh, but when we can connect our values to our spending, it creates motivation. It helps us to limit where we need to limit, but also expand where we need to expand. And it's a completely different concept than deprivation. Mic drop. Mic drop. So many snaps all around. So many snaps. Oh, you're a snapper. Yeah. I snap and people look at me like, what are you doing? I've had to hold back my snaps, but like I can no longer hold them back. Whereas I'm like more like jazz hands. <laughs> yeah, you've got the, that's the podcaster applause. Joel's <laughs> never done it. that before. No, I haven't. <laughs> First time for everything. So for you, dear listeners, Jill was putting her hands together in <laughs> Like champion of the yes. universe. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Cheerleading. There's ever a video of it. There it is. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe we should cut this and make it a video for I Jill think we might need to. Of Jill just yeah. doing that. <laughs> so good. I love what you just said, um, Jill, around understanding one another's core values and that can so help in the decluttering process as well like when people are feeling offended that somebody would take away something because you know decluttering is can be viewed as deprivation as well and so when we in our community often get the questions around like, well, how do I get my partner to change? And it's all my partner's fault. It's all my children's fault. Nothing to do with me. I am perfect. We're the same. I think that that's really helpful in understanding when you understand somebody's core values, then you can 
that's when you can dig deeper and go, oh, okay, Mm -hmm. let's just not look at the behavior, but understand that the behavior is informed by their thoughts and feelings and, Mm -hmm. and their core values. So that can bring a whole lot of compassion and grace to conversations. And you can start from a place of curiosity and I'm just trying to understand you. Mm. Can you please explain to me why this is so hard for you? It makes the process more fun too, because I think we all kind of like to make the people that we love feel like valued and um, just like feel good. And so when you can, you know, maybe point something out that you would have decluttered and been like, hey, you, you know, you really value this and love this. Like here, put this higher on the mantle or, or whatever, like, let's show this off. Like you can make your uh, family member like feel better and feel valued. And, and that's kind of, you know, that it would be, that's fun for me when I get to do that uh, for my husband. What number are you on the Enneagram, Jen? Um, I'm a three actually. Mm. (laughs) Jill? Yeah, similar. I'm a three as well. (laughs) Oh, so two threes together. There's so much in, um, Enneagram world that I can already see Kirsty's brain going at 100 miles an hour. Like, oh, she loves the Enneagram. We are serial achievers. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm there with you, sisters. <laughs> oh, the pod sisters strike, pod strike sister. again. <laughs> yes. I would love to. I would actually think for the four of us, I think it would be really helpful for listeners if we each shared a way that frugality manifests for us. So, uh, and let's talk about financial frugality intentionally because that's your mojo girls. So tell us just one thing that that's what it looks like. And we're taking into account the values and the intentionality and the consumerism and the aligning with partners and families, all of that. What is one thing, one area that it looks like specifically? Oh, just one. Just one. (laughs) For all the rest, listeners, search Frugal Friends on your podcast app. (laughs) Just one for now, though. Okay. Jill, you're going to have to go first. Yeah. Okay. I can go first. There's so many I could choose, but here you go. Here's a real time example. One of the tenants of frugality or, or the aims of frugality, I won't call it a tenant, an aim is to decrease spending and increase income to get after your goals, whatever they might be. And Mm -hmm. so I have been challenged throughout my own financial journey, but also engaging in the community that we have with Frugal Friends and, and others like yourselves, these amazing conversations that we get to have that causes me to pay more attention to what am I doing with my life and what do I want to aim at and how am I going to get there? And so one, one small way that we are aiming at bringing in more income, which can open up more options and doors for flexibility, hopefully travel, generosity. These are some of my core values, beauty, generosity, and oh goodness, beauty, generosity, travel and travel. Thank you. I'm like, I just said it. (laughs) Yeah, there it is. Well, that, and that, that coincides with beauty as well. And so that's my ultimate why. And one of the ways that I'm working towards that is to bring in some extra income with our house, the property that we own. And so Mm. we're creating an Airbnb that people can come and stay at. We can make some money. I get to meet people. Community is a core value as well. Mm -hmm. Relationship building. And so meeting new people, creating a beautiful place for people to come stay, making some extra income that creates more freedom and flexibility. So my husband and I, we used to have a renovations business together. We have that no more, but we maintained our construction skills. He's much more the skilled laborer. I'm just the laborer, (laughs) but uh, I can do more than it, than it seems like I could do. So we together are building this Airbnb. It's not done yet. I'm hoping by the end of the year, it will be up and running and rentable. So that's one of the decisions that we're making that I don't think I would have had my sights on if I hadn't have 
engaged in this journey and learned more about intentionality and what is possible, that growth mindset, Mm. that more is possible, even as a social worker. Again, I still maintain my social work job, but finding other ways to also live the life that I want to live within what I have chosen to set my hands to. That's awesome. That's super practical too. Like other people can go, oh, yeah, that would align and that could work for me. Yeah. Thanks, Jill. Um, so for me, it's, it's a little outside of the, the value, like traditional values, um, based spending, but, uh, in, in the same line of like home renovations. So I am the, I don't have the eye for beauty that Jill has. So I just look at like Pinterest and Amazon and Google to see how my, or we bought a fixer upper this year. And so we're trying to fix it up. And uh, I'm like, what should this thing look like? I don't know. And there is this, uh, there's this pull, like this pull to make it look like it looks on Pinterest, make it look mm-hmm. like it looks on architectural design. Um, but realizing like that's very expensive, that that's not necessarily my design style. Like I'm still trying to figure out what that is because it's not something I've put a lot of thought into. Um, and, and it's not the most sustainable way, like buying firsthand stuff, um, that may be less expensive, but is, is cheaper, won't last as long. Mm -hmm. And you're not sure of the human journey that it took to get to your home. And so I have been really fighting with this, um, this, like looking at these pictures and being like, oh, I have to recreate that. It looks pretty. Um, and how can I make this me sustainable, mm. low cost, um, secondhand and, and all of these things. Um, and you know, most more importantly, like not cost of fortune. Um, so, so that is the, um, constant like conversation I'm having with myself throughout this process is, is it me or is it Pinterest? Um, that, that wants to buy this thing. Um, and then finding the balance of, do I search indefinitely for like a piece that I want that's secondhand, or do I buy it at good quality, um, firsthand, like kind of finding that balance. Not everything, um, needs to be secondhand in my house, but I would like a majority of it to be. So just figuring out what pieces are, or aren't, um, splurges or inexpensive stuff like that. Our listeners are going to love that. That's a great tip. Kirst, have you thought of one for you? Yeah, mine, I'm sure I've shared it before, but mine is just into that comparing myself with others. So I unsubscribe from most retail outlets. Like when they go in, when I go into a shop and they say, do you want to sign up? I'll say yes to get a discount if that's what's on offer. And then I'll unsubscribe as soon as the emails start flooding my inbox. Um, I'm also very intentional on my social media. Um, So I don't follow people on Instagram that make me feel less than or make me want to buy things. I'm very intentional and the same on Facebook. Funnily enough on Facebook, I don't know, I shouldn't say this out loud because I've come and get me, but I don't get ads on Facebook. Maybe it's because I started in 2008 and I don't, something about Facebook doesn't show me ads, which is amazing. And I'm very thankful for it. Instagram, they've caught me. They know my proclivities. So not the same on face <laughs> on Instagram, but I'm very intentional because I know myself that I have that envy. And so I'll go, oh, I want what she's having. And I know that that doesn't work for my finances. And so mm. I'm very intentional of like, and then when I do see something, if I'm out of the shops, then I'll be like, oh, that's a really nice jumper. Or if I do see some, a jumper on somebody, I'm very intentional. I try, 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 try to be like, actually, let me take a pause. Do I have enough jumpers, sweaters for Americans? Do I have enough sweaters in my closet? Do I, uh, you know, do I need to upgrade or get a new one for any reason? Am I just looking at that because it looks really good Mm. on her? Actually, it wouldn't look as good on me. I'm not five foot eight 
in a size two body. So just like really checking myself and being intentional Mm. in my thoughts um, and therefore how that impacts on my actions. What about you, Ames? So I think one of the ones that has um, showed itself even in the last week for us as a family is around clothes. So there's four of us in our family and none of us really care at all about fashion and don't notice it on other people and don't really care if other people notice it on us. So I was taking Elijah, who's our 14-year-old, shoe shopping um, on Sunday afternoon and he wanted this particular pair of shoes and he, like, shoes are expensive for kids and they wear through them like there's no tomorrow. But interestingly, I said to him when we were there and he picked the shoes that he wanted um, and we don't tend to put a price limit on shoes because it's so important. Elijah has some posture things that we need. So we, we invest in shoes. And I said to him, is there anything else that you need while we're here? And I, he goes like, what? Like it was just such a weird question for him. And I said like, do you need another pair of shoes? He said, why would anyone have more than one pair of shoes, mum? <laughs> and I was like, oh, yes. bless you. Because in our family, we buy really good shoes that you wear until they, you know, are falling apart. And then we buy you another pair of really good shoes. And in his mind, because I said to him, oh, but, but maybe you don't just want a pair of black runners. Maybe you also want a pair of shoes that you can wear when you go out with your mates or something. And he's like, no, just one pair. And then when they wear out, I buy another pair. And and it just at the time reminded me like that is a family value for us is that we don't have a lot of clothes. We don't have a lot of shoes. Um because it's not important to us. And so I don't care if 10 out of the next 15 times you see me, I'm wearing the same thing. I don't care. And I don't care if you care (laughs) because it's not important to me. Like I want you to love me for me and not the fact that you're like, oh, she wears that jumper a lot. Oh, those pair of shoes get a full wearing with Amy. Like I don't care. (laughs) And I would much prefer to spend my money on other things that we value as a family than fashion. So um, for other people, they're just dying inside (laughs) that fashion is the area we choose to be really frugal in, but it is because it aligns with our values. I love it. Amazing. You have trained mm, them My up kids well. are hilarious Why girls. Why would anyone ever need more oh, than I know. one like, pair? I'll take them to shoes. the shops and say, look, I feel like you need to buy some more pants. And they'll be like, no, I just need to do my washing more often. I'm like, who are you? <laughs> who, who are you? Your mother is offering to buy you whatever you want. And your solution is you. Like, they're not telling me to do the washing more often they're like no if I just do my washing twice a week or three times yeah my children are it's also phenomenal and unique like it's not it's not or it's yeah it's not just training it is genetic like it's it's oh that's what I mean yeah like it's it's they are incredible yes it aligns with our family values but they go beyond beyond Oh, it's Utopia wow. over there. Oh, no, 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 no. no. <laughs> this sounds perfect. Gosh. Yeah, we are pretty no. much the perfect family. I mean, I don't want to say too much, no. but. <laughs> Can you adopt me? Be there soon. Jill, I need you here. Okay, well, we oh, can go good, together and, and eat the honey carrots. The bush carrots. <laughs> yeah, the, the bush, bush carrots. <laughs> it has been so lovely to meet you both in person via zoom and to not just be listening to you on your podcast but to have you on our podcast we really appreciate you we love that you see everybody as unique and individual and that there's no one size fits all when it comes to money when it comes to values when it comes to intentionality so we we want to honor you in that and say thank you for being on our podcast today Oh, thank you so much. Oh, it's been so lovely. Kirsty and Amy, thanks yes. for having us. Been delightful. Kirsty, have you got a review for us? In fact, you've shared the review, but it's too small on my screen and I can't read it. So <laughs> the podcast host with 2020 Vision shall read the review today. <laughs> I can do that. So our review comes from the United States um, from Alison Cohen. 
via Apple Podcast and, and it says building momentum and it's a five-star review. She says, I'm on a binge of your podcast. It's crazy how you make it fun, but also thought-provoking. The word intentional is now on my mind a lot. No pun intended. Thank you so much. Come visit Atlanta in the US, Alison. Well, I would love to come and visit Atlanta. Amy, not so much. Amy is like Jen in this relationship and I am Jill. I am the traveler. And I have realized over the last couple of weeks that actually my family's values are very different to mine in that regard. And it is breaking my little traveler's heart. <laughs> I don't know why it's taken me 20 years with my husband and 12, 13 years with my children to realize that our values don't align in this. <laughs> so you're going to have to do some solo traveling. I am absolutely up for solo traveling all over the States. So if you want me to come to Atlanta, Alison, if you want me to come to Florida girls, I'm up for it. You guys just need to pay. <laughs> <laughs> my value is money a financial having goals. people pay for me to travel. That is what I value. <laughs> Yeah, that is my core value. My absolute yeah. one my number core value, one yeah. core value. <laughs> yes. I don't it's just been amazing. I don't I don't think this is the last time we're gonna chat, girls. There's um just a beautiful connection. Thank you, listeners, for joining us this week. Girls, where can our listeners find you online and in all the places? We uh, release a uh, two podcast episodes every week wherever you are listening to this podcast just search frugal friends podcast mm -hmm. and if you want to connect with us further um, we have a free ebook that we give out to everyone at frugalfriendspodcast.com slash ebook and it's got 200 ways to save money uh, so it's um it's pretty u.s specific but there are a ton of tips that are universally globally applicable um so yeah and social media where will we find you frugal friends podcast facebook instagram just google it yeah just, just google <laughs> mm -hmm. it and you'll find we, you'll find the girls there. everywhere we're creeping, we're creeping. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> well until next time we hope you have a wonderful week Thank see you, you next bye. week Thanks for joining us. If you've learned something awesome today, we'd love you to leave us a review on iTunes or Facebook so others can find our podcast too. Don't forget you can see the show notes in your podcast app or over at our website, artofdecluttering.com.au. So if there's anything you want more info on, check it out there. If you'd like to join our supporter community, you can do so over at patreon.com slash theartofdecluttering. We hope you have a great rest of your day and enjoy the freedom. We acknowledge the traditional owners of country throughout Australia and recognise their continuing connection to land, waters and culture. We pay our respects to their elders past, present and emerging. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm.